Let's uh, take out our Bibles. If you've come with your Bible, your device, wherever you access the Word of God. And we're going to be heading to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 12 this morning. Of course, this is the last time we'll gather together this year. Who's looking forward to 2018? Yes, absolutely. Who, uh, who is one for New Year's resolutions? Okay, there's a few people. I came across uh, something this week that said that a New Year's resolution is, is simply a to-do list for the first week of January, <laughs> which seems like for a lot of people that, that might ring true. And apparently only 8 to 12 out of every 100 people keep their New Year's resolution for the year. So if that's been you this year, well done. Congratulations. A bit of a challenge for us next year for those who, who uh, like to have New Year's resolutions. But here's one I thought for all of us would be good to grab hold of as a New Year's resolution out of 2 Corinthians 5.9, that we would make it our goal to please Him. What do you reckon of that as a New Year's resolution? Let's make it our goal to please Him in every area of our lives. How about we just pray and then uh, we're going to open up the Word this morning. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity we have to hear from your word. Thank you that your word is living and active, God. And I just invite you to come, Holy Spirit. We so need your touch this morning, Lord. We don't just need more information or some nice words, Lord, but we need some revelation from you, Lord God. And so I just pray for each one of us today that we would not leave the same as we came into this place, but we would leave changed, Lord, challenged, encouraged, stirred in our faith, God from having met with you, Lord. Just come and breathe life into these words that I speak, Lord. Illuminate your word that we would um, hear what you would say to us this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So there's good news this morning that it's a new year. I believe that God has good things in store for us as his people this year. He's He's got a new start in store for many of us here. He's the God of the new beginning. He, has, you know, he desires that we go from strength to strength, from glory to glory. And what a privilege it is that we actually get to partner with Him in that, that we have this responsibility and part to play. And so as we come uh, this morning to the message, there are many different places that I thought maybe I could go this morning at the end of year, the last Sunday of 2017 message. I thought maybe be good to look at the faithfulness of God, and it's always a good thing to focus on, isn't it? Maybe we could look ahead to what God you know, might be saying for the coming year. I thought maybe I'd leave that to uh, Andrew for the next week or two. But there's something that I, as I was just praying and preparing, I felt that the Lord just kept highlighting and putting on my heart, so that's what I want to share this morning. So Romans 12 verse 9 is where we're going to be to 16. It says this, it says, let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. 
Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Well, I've already given you a New Year's resolution, but I think here's another one for us all. If we could grab hold of all those encouragements or exhortations that the Apostle Paul writes here, that would be an incredible way to live in 2018. And I don't know about you, but this particular passage that we've read this morning, these few verses here, are probably up there with one of my favorite passages in the New Testament. Whenever I read these verses, I'm, I'm challenged, I'm stirred in my heart, and I guess spurred on to live the true Christian life, to live my life for the glory of God. You know, the Apostle Paul is saying, look, guys, this is what it looks like. This is how we're to live as followers of Jesus. And you know, it's easy to read a passage like this with so many wonderful things in there and think, oh, well, sounds good. There's some great principles there. Yep, got it. Tick that one off. But remember, when we approach Scripture, we're not just meant to be hearers of the Word. We're actually meant to be doers of the Word. We're not meant to be like the person that looks at themselves in the mirror and then once they turn around, forget straight away what they look like. We're meant to hear the word, read the word, and actually have it um, apply, be applied in our own life, impact the way that we live. So this morning, let these words sink in. Let them challenge you. Let them spur you on to love and good works, to live your life for his glory. And you know, I love how the Apostle Paul titles this particular section, in my Bible anyway, it says, The Marks of the True Christian. Let me ask you this, how do you recognize a true Christian? If you had no prior knowledge or warning of someone you know, being a follower of Jesus, what would you look for in the way that they live, their conduct and speech and all those things? And yes, I know it's not just about the external things. Of course, following Jesus is about this um, inward transformation of our heart. But I believe that God transforms us from the inside out. That as, as his people, as we truly grab hold, if grace has truly got a hold of us, that then there will be a flow-on effect that impacts the way that we live as well. I believe he changes us from the inside out. So if someone was examining your life, would they notice something different? I believe there should be a difference in the way that we live. And so these qualities that Paul is referring to here are things that should mark our lives as Christians. That when people look and see, and trust me, people do look and see in the workplace, when you're studying at school or at uni, when you're in a sporting team, whatever, they're looking and seeing. If they know that you claim to be a Christian, people look and see. See how you live. See how you respond in different situations. When people look and see, they should notice something different, these qualities on full display. Because if we live this way, if we can grab hold of these qualities here that Paul has written about, it actually will reflect Christ and point people towards him. And so I feel like we could go into great depth and look at every single one of these things. Love, you know, abhorring evil and holding fast to, to what is good. Brotherly affection, all those things. Humility. And there's one particular aspect I want to bring out this morning. But before we get there, it's important to note 
that the list starts with love. It says, let love be genuine. Similar to 1 Corinthians 13, when Paul again writes, you know, if you can speak in the tongues of angels, you know, if you can prophesy all mysteries, but have not love, doesn't really mean much. He says, let love be genuine. Marks of a true Christian, Jesus said in John chapter 13, verse 35, by this all men would know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. If you have love for one another. And so that's kind of where I want to start this morning. But flowing from there is this, is this particular aspect that I want to bring out this morning. That I feel the Lord's put on my heart as we come into a new year. And it's this. It's found in verse 10. Outdo one another in showing honor. What I want to share this morning is, is around being a people of honor. A people who do honor well. Because I believe that we're actually called to be a people of honor. As followers of Jesus, this characteristic should permeate every area of our lives and our dealings with both God and with those around us. And so the Bible clearly identifies four areas or four people, groups of people that we are to give honor to. We're to honor in our lives. Firstly, of course, the Lord. We'll go into that in a bit more detail shortly. Our parents. Honor your father and mother. That's the first commandment with a promise. Uh, leaders, whether they government, whether they be spiritual, those in authority, and everyone. So I think we all kind of fall into one of those categories this morning. Everyone. So what is honor? Well, the biblical definition, it means to give weight, to give value or significance to someone. And the particular Greek word used here in Romans 12, it, it specifically refers to an advantage to be given by believers one to another instead of claiming it for yourself. So that sense of preferring one another, honoring one another. Let me ask you this this morning. Who would define yourselves as competitive by nature? Okay, a couple over here, a couple that are willing to admit it. Yeah, up the back. One thing that I've noticed about people in general, whether it be in sport, in life, in the workplace, in a family setting, in youth ministry, whatever it might be, is that pretty much everyone has this competitive nature. For some, it's very clear, very clear indeed. For others, it's, it's lurking a little bit deeper down, but, but it's there. And even this last week or so with different family events that we've had to celebrate Christmas, um, we've, we've had opportunity to play some games. And uh, we had a bit of a family game with my family of Taboo. Has anyone played the game Taboo? It can get a little bit, you know, competitive and it's good fun. But I could feel in myself those competitive juices, you know, flowing freely as we, uh, as we, as we had that game. I'm glad to say that the, the boys won, beat my sisters and uh, Steph, who was playing as well. But every <laughs> accusations of cheating, no. <laughs> we'll talk about that later. <laughs> but uh, everyone has this competitive nature, I believe, in some form or another. And so here is a healthy competition for all of us as we come into this new year to outdo one another in showing honor. So there you go. We all have permission to get one up on each other in showing honor in this year. 
You know, wouldn't that just be a marvelous place to live? Imagine what it would look like if, well, first of all, we grabbed hold of all the, the list of qualities here that Paul writes about to pursue those in our lives, but two, to, pe- to be a people who know what it is to truly honor the Lord and to truly honor one another. Wouldn't that be an incredible place to live, to, to go out of our way, to honor people, to go the extra mile in ascribing you know, significance, to build up people instead of doing the Aussie thing and just bringing people down, tearing people down a notch or two. You know, it's mentioned often in the New Testament, this idea of honor and, and I guess flowing on from that, building one another up. We see it in Romans, in, in uh, 1 Thessalonians, in Hebrews as well. It all specifically commands to build one another up, to encourage one another, to build up one another. So important, I believe, for us as believers and as a, as a family here. And so this competitive challenge that the Apostle Paul lays down, it speaks of being intentional, intentionally looking for ways that we can honor those around us whether they be leaders, whether they be teachers, whether they be the checkout, people on the checkout at the supermarket, whether they be politicians, whether they be our family, our brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, because everyone is worthy of honor, even if we don't perhaps feel like they really deserve it, because they were valuable enough for Jesus to give his life for. We can honor people by praying for them, We can honor people by calling out, recognizing and celebrating others' gifts and strengths. We can honor people by highly regarding others with our words, even when we're not with them personally. We can honor people by speaking life and encouragement that may even launch people into their calling and destiny. I don't know about you, but that sounds like the sort of environment where, as people, we will thrive and flourish, where things come to life, where calling and gifting is awakened in people, that environment, that culture of honor. And you know, this morning, I'm not talking about being fake, you know, just saying the right things to people's faces and then, you know, not following up with that when they're not in our company. That's called hypocrisy. I'm not, I'm not just talking about saying nice things about people all the time and never never addressing any issues that need to be addressed. You know, sometimes the most loving or honoring things that we can do is actually call out things that need to be called out or address issues that need to be addressed. So I'm not talking about being fake, but I'm talking about grabbing hold of this challenge that the Apostle Paul lays down here to outdo one another in showing honor. And I think part of that is allowing God to work in our hearts and lives so that we then are able to do honor well. As we think about honor, I'm going to go out on a bit of a limb here this morning and say that perhaps it's something in our culture that we don't tend to do particularly well. You know, the Aussie culture, I'm sure you would agree. If not, you can come and speak to me afterwards. Perhaps it's rife with irreverence or sarcasm. You know, that whole idea that we need to tear down rather than build up. Tall poppy syndrome. If someone starts to have a little bit of success or whatever, it's like, oh, we better just bring them down a peg or two. That may be a cultural thing, but you know, I don't feel like it needs to define us, define our culture as followers of Jesus. I don't think it should be an excuse that it's just the Aussie way, because I want to move past that and actually live like Jesus did. 
follow his model and his example, not just conform to what may be the cultural norms in our society. We're called to a higher way of living. We're called to be people of honor, I believe. So, a few things about being a people of honor that I just want to bring out this morning. First of all, if we're to truly do honor well, it must start with having a right honor for the Lord. And you know, I just keep coming back to this in my own life. It's like the Lord just keeps highlighting this, impressing it upon my heart. The significance, the importance of living in this place of reverence, of living in this place of of honor, of having Him as the center, of giving Him His rightful place in my life, in our lives. And I believe that He's wanting His people to grab hold of the significance of this again. And I know we've touched on it throughout this year a number of different times, but I don't feel like we can ever touch on it too much. Because all true honor is born out of a heart surrendered to the King of Kings. We, can't, we simply can't honor others well or as well as perhaps we can or we're called to do until we honor the Lord well and rightly in our lives. And it's like this, this progression of we recognize who He is and then we recognize who we are in light of who He is and then we are able to see and recognize how value and significant every single person is. So our starting point, I guess, is this sense of reverence and fear of the Lord, and that it's vital to living life well, I believe. Because if we get this right, the vertical, when he's given his rightful place in the center, then all the other stuff, the horizontal, will have its rightful place, will flow naturally from there. But if we don't get the most important thing right, leads to a whole lot of issues. And Jesus himself addressed this and, uh, in the Gospels, you know, talking about the people uh, of Israel, talking about the religious rulers as well, echoing the words that the prophet Isaiah spoke and prophesied in Isaiah 29, 13. The issue was that these people honored him with their lips, but their hearts were far from him. And we cannot be a people who just pay lip service. Let's not be a people who aren't perhaps honor him, do all the right things, sing the songs on a Sunday, say all the right things, quote all the right Bible verses, yet our hearts are actually far from him. I believe there's a call for us as we start this new year to come back to that place where it's not just our lips that we're giving honor to the Lord, but our hearts as well. I long to see what God will do in and through a generation who have truly grasped the importance and the significance of honoring the Lord, of giving Him His rightful place in our lives, in our churches. And you know, 1 Peter, the Apostle Peter, in 1 Peter 3.15, he gives this exhortation. In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. I believe if we can get that right, Everything else flows from there. So let's start off the new year right. Let's adjust priorities that need to be adjusted. Let's do whatever we need to do to make sure He is the center, to make sure that in our hearts we are honoring Christ the Lord as holy. And you know, there's a promise of blessing actually when we get this right. In 1 Samuel 2 verse 30, the Lord says, you know, those who honor me, I will also honor. I don't know about you, but I want to live in that place of being honored by the Lord. 
So firstly, if we do honor well, we must start with having a right honor for the Lord. That's the, the bedrock, the foundation from which we must build. Secondly, this morning, if we're to truly do honor well, we must grab hold of humility. It's through humility by the power of the Holy Spirit that we can esteem and honor others above ourselves. You know, the way of the kingdom and the way that the life that Jesus modeled was this this life of humility. The way up is down. He says, you know, if you want to be great, you must be a servant of all. Turn with me just quickly to Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. It says, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. It says here in verse 3, Do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit. In humility count others more significant than yourselves. Looking to the interests of others. I've had the opportunity over many years to play in different sport teams, cricket and at school it was soccer and touch footy and all that kind of thing. And as a team, you're working together towards a common goal. You're working together, you know, each one playing their own part to achieve a common goal. And that's fine as long as everyone's working together as a team, looking out for one another, doing their role. But I've also um, had opportunity or the privilege to play with people who don't necessarily play as a team, who they're all about themselves and them getting the glory and the, the fame and you know, getting noticed. And things just don't work that well in a sport team environment when that happens. You know, things can kind of fall off the rails pretty quickly when people are more concerned about number one than the good of the team. And in a similar way, in the church, that, that is our... I guess, experience as well, that we are you know, bound together with this common love for Christ, with this unity. But we have this common goal to, to, to build up, strengthen His church, to live for His glory. We all have gifts and specific roles that you know, we are to play so that we function well as, as, as a church. Yeah? But when selfish ambition or vain conceit comes in, it creates all sorts of issues, doesn't it? Because if we're in this place, it's only our own interests that we're looking out for, not the interests of others. And you know, grabbing hold of humility, counting others more significant than ourselves, looking to the needs of others, grabbing hold of you know, outdoing one another and showing honor will actually build up the church because it will cause it and its people to thrive and to flourish. 
That is God's heart for us, for each of us individually, but for us corporately, for his body you know, across the world as well, to not just survive, but to thrive and to flourish. His heart is for his church to be built up, to be strong, to have an impact. And you know, we have a part to play in that as his people, as members of his body here on earth. And I think a big part of it for us is grabbing hold of humility, of grabbing hold of what it is to honor one another well, to outdo one another in giving weight and significance to each other, to build up rather than tear down. Jesus modeled how we are to live. He, he modeled how to do honor well. He honored his Father in heaven he, um, by giving him glory. He honored him by only doing what he saw the Father doing. But he also honored others so well. He stopped for the one. And he crossed the lake to the other side just to you know, set free one man that was in bondage with demonic oppression. He stopped for the one with a Samaritan woman. He washed his disciples' feet. He honored. That's, all those things are examples of him giving weight or significance and honor to those people, showing humility. And he humbled himself for us. By coming to earth, by taking on flesh, by humbling himself to death on a cross, he put, um, gave us honor, showed us honor by doing that. By embracing humility. And I believe that we too must be a people willing to embrace humility. Finally, this morning, if we're to truly do honor well, we must remember that it's not about us. So that might be a revelation for some of us this morning. It's not about you. It's no longer I, but Christ. It's no longer my kingdom come and my will be done, but His kingdom come. His will be done. It's not about us. And you know, hopefully you've seen this morning, you know, there are blessings that come from being a people of honor. And I've I've sort of intentionally haven't gone there um, or focused on what we get out of it, you know, the blessings of honor. um, Because I haven't wanted to make it about just give to get kind of thing. But there are blessings that come from being a people of honor. But You know, there's also a cost to being a people of honor. And the cost is putting aside our own interests. The cost is counting others more significant than ourselves. And I guess this flows on from humility in many ways. As we gather as a community of believers each week, it shouldn't be about what can I get out of it. I didn't really like the songs this morning or didn't get much out of the sermon today. Or, you know, oh, He's asking us to talk to people again. I don't really want to talk to anyone. I find it awkward and uncomfortable. I'm sorry, but honoring the Lord, honoring others, being a people who seek to build his church and build others up, it doesn't really give us that option to make it about us. We live in this uh, consumer society, this society that says, well, what can I get out of it? And I believe that as followers of Jesus, we're we're to live counter to that. Laying down our lives, living in that place of surrender, building up others, you know, the way up being down to serve. The problem with this whole thing around what can I get out of it is that one, we're not looking to outdo one another and showing honor. We're only concerned with our own interests. But two, we're not following the example 
of Jesus. And honoring others goes against our natural instinct, which is to honor and value ourselves, to look out for ourselves. And for anyone with young children, you'll know that that's, that's what it's about. Our, our youngest at the moment has just started, you know, mine or me, me, me. You know, he wants to be involved, but it's all about him, 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 which is fine. I expect that from someone who's not quite two. The problem is when adults display those kind of things as well. That's when it becomes an issue. So in 2018, let's make this a year where we intentionally seek to outdo one another in showing honor. As you embrace this competition, as we all embrace this competition together, this challenge laid down by the Apostle Paul, let's just see what happens. Let's see what happens in our workplaces as we seek to honor those around us. Even the difficult boss. Sorry, that wasn't a, that's not a reference here. Even the, even the difficult person sitting next to you. Even the, you know, those people that always call at you know, five to five when you're just about to go. And let's see, just see what happens in your workplace as we embrace this challenge to outdo one another in showing honor. Let's see what happens in our families as we embrace this challenge. See the difference in the atmosphere there in our homes and our families. You know, I think Christmas is, can be a wonderful time, but also a very difficult time. And as we start a new year, those people that we find hard to love, hard to love, let's seek to be a people that, that honor, even when we find it hard. Let's see what happens in the church as we seek to ascribe value and significance and weight to one another, to those around us, to those in leadership, to the Lord. What better way to foster and build community, to build the church, to be a people who thrive and flourish, to see others step into what God has called them to do? What better way to see the Lord glorified than to follow his example and to honor one another? Let's set a new normal this year in our own lives, for us as a, as a church here, to be a people who do honor well. And um, just as we kind of bring it to a close this morning, I know we've already had that moment at communion of leaving some things in 2017, but I just feel to um, finish this way, that there may be some patterns of thinking, some behaviors, particularly in this area of honor. Perhaps, you know, you might find you have this tendency to, to cut down rather than build up with your words. Perhaps, you know, it's to speak death instead of life into situations or to people's lives. Perhaps hurts and offense has called you, caused you to be hard in your heart towards family members or friends or people at work, which then manifests itself in the way that you perhaps speak about them. Let me encourage you this morning to... To, to receive some prayer, to come and bring those things to the Lord Jesus. I believe that he's wanting to help us. He's wanting to come alongside us, to help us to follow his example and be a people who do honor well. So let me challenge you this week, this year, look for ways, intentionally look for ways that you can 
ascribe honor and weight and significance to people, whether it's to pray for them, whether it's to bring a word of encouragement, whether it's to speak a word of life, call something out that you um, appreciate or value about people, and just see what happens. See what happens in your own life, but see what happens in the lives of those around you. Let's, let's make 2018 a year where we outdo one another in showing honor. Amen? Amen. What would you stand this morning? Lord, I just want to pray for us as your people here, that as we step into a new year, Lord God, that this would be a year of great fruitfulness and blessing, favor, promises fulfilled, that this would be a year, Lord, where you are truly glorified in each and every one of our hearts and lives, Lord God. And I just pray, Lord, for each of us that we would grab hold of this exhortation, this challenge, this competition, whatever we want to call it, to be a people who do honor well. Lord, I pray that that would be something that marks our lives as followers of you, Jesus, but also that marks this church, Lord God, here as we gather at Vision. Lord, that we would be a people who do honor well, who honor you well, Lord God, who live in that place of reverence, God, and awe of you. But who also embrace humility and who look to count others more significant than ourselves, Lord God. Where we've found that difficult, Lord, where we've just made mistakes in that area, would you forgive us? Forgive me. Forgive each of us this morning, Lord God. And I thank you that you're the God of the fresh start and a new beginning, Lord God. And so this morning, we want to step into that new start, Lord God, and all that you have for us in this coming year. So we bless you, we honor you, Lord, and uh, we just, as we go from here this morning, we thank you that you go with us, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen.